Our scripture reading today is from Daniel chapter 6. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. And all the high officials of the kingdoms and the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, should be cast into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in an upper chamber open overlooking toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea to his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days, except to you, O king, should be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but he makes his petitions three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king has established can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from his eyes. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. May my God send his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. 
And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is a living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered and reigned during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Scott. We come to Daniel chapter 6, a very familiar story. Our theme for this series of Daniel, just as way of reminder, is faithfulness in exile. Whose faithfulness are we talking about? If you were here for the first sermon, you might remember I said that's somewhat of a trick question. Because they're talking about both God's faithfulness and our faithfulness. The faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of his people. And so a fitting theme verse for our study of Daniel has been Psalm 26.3. For your steadfast love is before my eyes and I walk in your faithfulness. Well, Daniel 6, as we know, is one of the most well-known stories in the Old Testament. I imagine there may not be a single person here. There might be, but chances are not that hasn't heard this story before. When I was talking about this with my family, my wife asked me if I was going to bring out the flannel graph and do visual aids. And if you grew up in the church, you know what that's like. My son asked me, on the other hand, if I was going to tell it in some new way. Somehow make it fresh and relevant to you. Well, no, I don't hope to do either of those. As you would know, I hope simply to highlight the main point of this story, which I believe is that God's covenant faithfulness is for those who trust in him. God's covenant faithfulness is for those who trust in him. And I hope that we will also see the story is really less about lions and more about God. And actually, it's less about Daniel and more about Jesus. So hopefully we'll see that as well. With that in mind, there are two central questions in this riveting story. The first is, will Daniel still obey God? Will he obey God? If Daniel obeyed Darius, he'd be safe. He would live. But if he obeyed God, the real king of everyone and everywhere, everywhere, he would be food for lions. So that's a pressing question. What will Daniel do? Even though you already know the answer, let's try to back up a little bit. What will Daniel do? Will he still obey? Who was Daniel's true king? And the second central question is this. Will God save Daniel from the lions? If Daniel obeys, what will happen? Again, you're going to have to try to put yourself back in the story since the suspense has already been taken away for you. But as we consider the answer to those questions, it helps us to remember the meaning of Daniel's name. Remember the significance of that in chapter 1. Daniel's name means God is my judge. God is my judge means that what God thinks and what God does matters more than what anyone else 
and the entire world thinks or does. And Daniel lived a life that proclaimed that truth loud and clear. God is my judge, not man. God is my judge, not any king of Babylon, not any king of Persia. God is my judge. And I will have to give an account to God for how I live my life. Not to Nebuchadnezzar, not to Belshazzar, not to Darius, but to God, my judge. Daniel's life was built on God, centered on God. Daniel lived his life, Coram Deo, before the face of God, with an awareness of the constant presence of his God and with an aim to bring glory to God in all that he did. Daniel looked at the world around him with this God awareness. This world was not his home and his life was not his own. And the truth about this world and all of creation and the eternal kingdom was not something that Daniel made up or the people around him. He didn't learn it from the rulers of the world or from other people, the wisdom they may have. It was revealed to him and to us from heaven. God is my judge. So Daniel lived up to that name, God is my judge. It came out, if you've followed our study so far in the first six chapters, It started in in chapter 1. It came out in the way that he ate. It came out in the way that he interpreted dreams, in the way that he served and responded to human kings, even those who oppressed him. It came out in the way he prayed. It came out in every area of his life, his daily habits, what he did every day. This impacted his life. Beloved, I wonder what impacts your life. What shapes your life, your everyday habits? Who is your king? Who is your God? Who do you trust in? And who can and will deliver you? So in this familiar story, we see a humble man who lived for the glory of God. And we also see the glory of the only one worthy of our lives the glory of the only one worth living for so i see two parts to this story the faithfulness of daniel and the faithfulness of god and i i think it's captured in darius's words to daniel which i used for my sermon title in verse 16 your god whom you serve continually will deliver you So your God, whom you serve continually, that points us to the faithfulness of Daniel, and then your God will deliver you, that points us to the faithfulness of God. So let's begin first with the faithfulness of Daniel. As the chapter begins, Daniel is about to be set over the entire kingdom, second in command only to the king himself, because verse 3 says, there was an excellent spirit in him. Daniel was filled with the Holy Spirit. This phrase has been repeated throughout this book so far. We have seen this before. There's an excellent spirit in him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. But the rest of the government officials want no part of this. They do not want one of God's people, one of the exiles from Judah, to rule over them. But they can't find any fault in him. Verse 4. We hear this amazing testimony of Daniel's faithfulness. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. 
because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. What a testimony to God's work in Daniel's life. These pagan officials, they didn't know God, they didn't love God, but they saw Daniel live his life and they knew the only way that they could find fault with Daniel was if it had to do with obedience to God's law. And they knew the only way this trap would work was if they could fabricate some kind of scenario where Daniel would have to choose between obedience to King Darius and obedience to his God. And they knew what Daniel would do Given that scenario, he would live up to his name. God is my judge. He would honor God. He would glorify God. He would serve his God. Beloved, would that God would enable us to do the same. To live for the glory of God. To be known as people who worship God alone. So they come up with that kind of scenario. They go to the king and they trick him into signing this law. No one can pray to any god or any man except the king himself for 30 days. And if they do, they'll be cast into this den of lions. They will be put to death. So here we have the tension of the story. The crisis, the test. What will Daniel do? Who is his god? Who will he serve? When God's people faced a similar test in the book of Acts, as the gospel is on the move and the apostles are are preaching the gospel and the government officials arrest them and command them, don't teach any more in the name of Jesus. What did they say? We must obey God rather than men. And those men were physically beaten Their lives were at stake. They were beaten as a warning. And how did they respond? They rejoiced. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the sake of his name. And every day, pay attention to the details of the scriptures. Every day, they did not cease preaching in the name of Jesus. And because they did that, beloved, people came to know and love Jesus and God was honored. So that's what they did in Acts. Well, We're going to face these kinds of decisions ourselves more and more, beloved. How will we respond? Who is our God? Who is our judge? Who is our king? Well, this is what Daniel faced. What would he do here? Verse 10. When Daniel knew, he knew. When Daniel knew the document had been signed, what's he trying to tell us? Daniel knew his life was on the line. He was fully aware of what would happen. When he knew, what would he do? Now, before you answer, because I know you already know what he did. But consider how we might counsel Daniel today. If this kind of scenario came up today, how might we counsel one another? There's this law, I can't pray to anyone for 30 days. What should I do? Would we say to Daniel, well, Daniel... Look at the position God has put you in. This 
high position of influence. All the good you could do for the king, for the kingdom, for our people suffering under this kingdom. You're better off alive than dead. Is this how we would counsel him? It's only 30 days. Why don't you just pray in secret? You don't even have to stop praying. Just pray in secret. Nobody will know. You can still pray. Would we counsel him based on pragmatics? The results. Beloved, may we never, may we never exalt pragmatics above the honor of God, the glory of God, worshiping and serving our true God, obedience to God. What if Daniel didn't pray? What if he didn't pray? We know what's going to happen if he does pray. But what if he didn't pray? You see, Daniel was able to see the true test. It was the glory of Almighty God at stake. This wasn't just a minor religious inconvenience. Just wait 30 days. It's only 30 days. Then you can pray again. Just wait till the prayer ban is lifted. Just, just change your habit. Pray in secret. They don't have to see you. No, the heart of the matter was, who was his God? Who was his king? You see, if Daniel had not continued his habit of prayer here, he would have been saying, Darius is my God. Darius is my judge. I live for the approval, the favor of man and not of God. He would have been going along with the crowd and proclaiming by his silence, by his inactivity, Darius is the way to life. Darius is the way to God. He would have given up his identity as a child of God and he would have embraced the identity of a child of Babylon. There was much at stake here. And so what does Daniel do? He looks death straight in the eyes and he prays anyway. He gives glory to God. He knew what was at stake and he prayed And beloved, this is the greater miracle in the story. This right here is the greater miracle in the story. Not that Daniel survived in the lion's den, but that God enabled him to be faithful unto death. That this man, born in sin, worshipped the true and the living God, though it would cost him his life. The real lion's den was in Daniel's bedroom. There was more at stake there than there was with the lions. Why? There are worse things than dying. There are worse things than dying. There are more important things than living. Sin is worse than dying. Do we believe that? Sin is worse than dying. Honoring and glorifying our God is better than living. Being being eaten by the lions is not a sin. Daniel would bring no dishonor to God if the lions had ended his life. What did God do? Before God stopped the mouths of the lions and then he stopped the mouths of the lions in Daniel's bedroom. He enabled Daniel to pray. He enabled Daniel to be faithful 
By continuing his habit of prayer in the face of death, Daniel was trusting his very life to God Almighty. He was obeying God. He worshiped the one true God. His praying was a revelation. It was a revelation of who his God was, who his judge was. It revealed who he lived for. And so in praying, we see in Daniel the life of a faithful servant of God, the life of one who trusted God. What would Daniel do? Would he still obey? Yes, indeed, he would. By the power and grace of Almighty God in him. Now, before we move on to that second question, will God save Daniel from the lions? Just two things to note about Daniel's prayer. First, Daniel prayed with his windows open towards Jerusalem. Why? Why is that significant? Why is that important? Because he knew the scriptures and he prayed according to the scriptures. There's a great lesson for us in that. It's not the main point of the passage. It's important, but it's a good model for us to know the scriptures and pray according to the scriptures. First Kings, First Kings chapter 8, at King Solomon's dedication of the temple, he gave instructions for God's people and what to do if they had sinned against the Lord and they were carried away captive to a foreign land. What were they to do? They were to repent and they were to pray to God toward their land, toward Jerusalem, the land that God had given them. This was a visible reminder, a visible display. They were not home. And God called on them to repent and to turn to him. And he would not forget them. He would bring them home. Beloved, this was a public witness. It was important. It was meaningful. Daniel was praying and living according to the scriptures. Second, Daniel got down on his knees three times a day and prayed as he had done previously. That is repeated a few times in this passage. Three times a day as he had done previously. What is it telling us? It's telling us that this was Daniel's normal daily practice. It was his habit. And because it was his practice over time, his consistent daily practice, it prepared him. It fortified him to pray to God in his time of need. It prepared Daniel for this crisis, this challenge to his faith. To his faith. Beloved, what we do today can be used by God to prepare us for the crisis to come tomorrow. It's important what we do today. Not only to give glory to God today, but to equip us for the challenges of tomorrow. There will come a time, I believe there will come a time for all of God's people when you have to forego the favor of man in order to pursue faithfulness to God. That's what Daniel was prepared to do and it's what he indeed did do. Jesus told his followers, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Daniel was a faithful servant of God and he was persecuted for it. And beloved, we ought to expect the same kind of treatment today. Standard fare for the people of God. Now I want you to notice something else about Daniel's faithfulness. Daniel was seeking the welfare of the city that God had sent him into an exile. He was doing that, again, in obedience 
to Prophet Jeremiah's command, Jeremiah 29.7. God's people were told to do just that. To seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. So that is what Daniel is doing. That's what we ought to do as well. But if you want to be faithful in exile, if you want to be a blessing to your neighbors, to seek the welfare of those who do not know God, how do you do that? How do we do that today? We don't do it by adopting the standards and practices of the world around us. We don't do it by living according to their values. We don't do it by believing their lies. If you want to be faithful in exile and be a blessing to those who don't know and love Jesus, the only way to do that, there's one way to do that. It's by trusting and loving and obeying the true God. This is how we are a blessing, by modeling God's character and his priorities, by walking in the truth and living according to God's love, law. Beloved, you serve God continually and let your life and all that you do proclaim God is my judge. Why? Because the world needs to know that there is a God that holds us accountable, that he is the true king of everyone and everywhere. And that he gave his own son to redeem us from our sin and our lies and our death. And life can be found only in him. That's how you seek the welfare of the city where God has sent you into exile. They may reject you for it. They may hate you for it. But it will be for the glory of your God. And it will be for their eternal good and blessing. Now we have considered the faithfulness of Daniel. Now let's consider the faithfulness of God. Darius has been tricked. He's been fooled. And he doesn't want to follow through. He doesn't want to throw his right-hand man. Daniel is the one he can trust. That's who you put above everyone else, the one you can trust. The man of God. There's a whole other sermon in that. Daniel does... Darius doesn't want to lose his right-hand man. He doesn't want to throw him into the lion's den, but he cannot figure out a way out of it. So he says to Daniel in verse 16, your God will deliver you. Now, if you have the ESV, it's translated, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Some of you might have other modern English translations, and the Aramaic seems to be more of a statement than a request, almost as Darius is professing his faith and his hope. Your God will deliver you. But because Daniel has indeed prayed to God, he is cast into the den of lions. A stone is laid on the mouth of the den and sealed, and then Daniel spends this dark night in the den with the lions. But he does not die. Why? Not because the lions are tame. They are wild animals. You don't tame wild animals. It's only a matter of time before they show their true colors. It's not because they're not hungry. We'll see that clearly in just a moment. They don't harm Daniel. Not even a scratch. For one reason only. Because God Almighty had power over them. God Almighty had power over them. He is their creator. And their lives are in his hands and they do as he commands, period. That's why. 
That's why Darius, at first light, he runs to the den and he cries out, Daniel, has your God been able to deliver you from the lions? And he waits. Imagine that moment. He couldn't sleep all night. He's, he's distraught all night long. First break of dawn. He's there as fast as he can get. And he is wondering, what has happened? Daniel, has your God been able to deliver you? And he's waiting. And there's an answer. It's a miracle. Verse 21, then Daniel said, he's alive. It's like Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. That's like what happened here. Daniel said, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me. Verse 23, Daniel is taken out of the den and no harm, no kind of harm was found on him. It's like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Not a hair of their head was singed. They didn't smell like smoke. There's no sign at all that they've been in the fire. Their clothes weren't burned. That's what we have here. No kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. So would God save Daniel from the lions? Yes, he would. And yes, he did. Could anyone else save Daniel from the lions? No. No one else. Not even the powerful king. Why? Because who else has power over the lions? No one but God Almighty. Beloved, God alone holds death and life in his hands. And his covenant faithfulness, his deliverance is for his people. It's for those who trust in him. The God who has power over the lions, power over life and death, is the God you can trust with your life and everything about it. God had power over the lions. Our God also has power over our enemies. At the end of chapter 5, do you remember who ends up dead, judged by God? It wasn't Daniel. It was Belshazzar, the proud king. At the end of chapter 6, who ends up dead, It's not Daniel. It's the very ones who sought to put him to death. Verse 24. The men who maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions with their children and wives. And before they reached the bottom, the ferocious hungry lions overpower them. God's covenant faithfulness is for his people. A gracious gift we do not deserve, but we so humbly and thankfully receive. God's covenant faithfulness is for those who trust in him, while his judgment falls on those who reject him. God had power over the lions. He had power over our enemies. God also has power over the king. It appeared that Daniel's life was in the hands of the king, but the king had no power to save Daniel. Psalm, Psalm 146 says, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. 
So this was a lesson not only for God's people in exile, but for you and me today. Even if you have the favor of those in power, they can be helpless in your time of need. God is your true Savior. Only God could deliver his servant, and only God could once again put his praise in the mouth of the king. Verse 26, the king makes a decree, and all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. You know, Nebuchadnezzar also made a decree, giving glory to God after he witnessed God deliver his people out of the fiery furnace. Remember chapter 3 and chapter 6 go together in this book. They're very similar stories, but there are also differences. Nebuchadnezzar was enraged when the men would not bow. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter. Darius was distraught, did everything he could to save the humble servant of God. Nebuchadnezzar defiantly declared, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? While Darius is the one in chapter 6 who professed faith, it's not even Daniel before he went into the den who said, God will save me. It was Darius. Your God will deliver you. Beloved, you see the hope that is given here to God's people. God is at work. While they are in exile, he is changing the hearts of the kings. He's not only at work to deliver his own people, but to bring blessing and salvation to the nations. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And beloved, the, the God who has power over the kings, those who are over you, this is a God you can trust. Where else do you want to put your life? Who else would you live for? There's no greater God. There's no greater king. There's no greater savior. God also had power over Daniel. He had power over Daniel. Remember, this story is more about God, less about lions. It's more about Jesus and less about Daniel. The only reason Daniel was able to be a faithful servant in the midst of exile was because God was faithful to him. There was an excellent spirit in Daniel. It wasn't his spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. God had put that in him. God gave Daniel this heart to know God and to fear him above all else. And beloved, that's our only hope as well. There's no way. We're not singing this hymn later. There's no way you can dare to be a Daniel on your own. There is no way you can stand alone in your own strength by the resolve of your own willpower. The only way it's possible is for God Almighty to work in your heart, to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, to take you who are dead in sin and make you alive in Christ and put his spirit in you and give you a new heart to know him and love him and follow him. You know, the whole point of the story of Daniel is to point us to Jesus. That's why this story is in the scriptures. It's to show us our need for a greater rescue, a greater deliverance. Every story whispers his name. This is a pretty loud whisper. I don't know if you heard it yet. But think about the parallels. Daniel's blameless. The people plot against him. They make up this charge. Our Savior Jesus 
was sinless. The people plot against him. They have to make up a charge against him. When Daniel's when Daniel heard about his enemy's plan and he knew he was going to be arrested and thrown to the lions, what did he do? He prayed. When Jesus knew he was going to be arrested and killed on the cross, what did he do? He prayed. The king recognized the injustice of Daniel's condemnation and he sought to deliver him. Pilate recognized the injustice of Jesus' condemnation and sought to release him. Daniel was condemned. He was given over to certain death. He was placed in a pit with a stone laid on the opening and sealed by the king. Jesus was condemned to death. And after they crucified him, he was put in a tomb with a stone rolled over it and the entrance was sealed. At the break of dawn, the one who lamented the way Daniel was treated came and found that God had delivered him. God, the real king of everyone and everywhere, brought Daniel out of the den. On the first day of the week, those who lamented the way Jesus was treated on the cross came and found an empty tomb. God had raised him from the dead. Now there's a big difference here, right? Jesus did die. Jesus did die. But God brought him out of death just as, beloved, he's brought you out of sin and death and darkness. Just as today he still delivers sinners from death. Amen? There's not a single friend of Jesus who will be left in the tomb. Not a single one. God will bring all Jesus' friends out of death into life with him. He can do that. He's done it before. He'll do it today. It shows how important it is to be a friend of Jesus. And doesn't it give you that deep desire to know this Savior who gave his life for you? And he won't leave you behind no matter what your suffering or your sin is. He's coming after you. And he's bringing you safely home. God's covenant faithfulness is for those who trust in him. There's nothing else for us who trust in him except for his covenant faithfulness, his blessings, his goodness, his eternal kingdom. It's for those who believe that Jesus is indeed a friend of sinners. He came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He's a friend of sinners. He came to die for sinners. We don't earn God's covenant faithfulness by our faithfulness. We receive it as a gift when we trust in Jesus. And then God gives us his spirit to bind our heart to him, to empower us to walk in his faithfulness. Well, what if this morning you're thinking, I don't trust Jesus. I don't trust Jesus. There could be two ways you're saying that this morning. Perhaps you're saying, I don't trust in Jesus in the sense that I don't believe in God. I reject him. He's not my king. I don't bow down and worship him. I'm looking for other ways of salvation and deliverance. I'm giving my life to other, other pleasures of this world. And so you don't trust in him. You don't humble yourself before him as your judge, as your creator, as your king, as your savior. If that is you this morning, if, if that's how it stands in your life right now, it's God's mercy that you're here this morning to hear the truth, the message of salvation 
if you continue in that way, you will not be the recipient of God's covenant faithfulness, but you will be the recipient of his righteous eternal wrath. But friend, today is a day of salvation, and we would plead with you, implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Repent and trust in Jesus and know the joy of having your sins forgiven and having a living relationship with the living God. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There's another way you might be sitting there and thinking, I don't trust in Jesus. As a child of God, you might think, I don't know if I could do what Daniel did. I don't have that kind of strength. I don't trust in the Lord that much. And beloved, this is the prayer of every child of God. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. There's not a single child of God who always trusts God in this life. Not Daniel, though that's the only record we have of him, but he's pointing us to Jesus. Not Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Not Peter, James, or John. Not the most godly person you know, and certainly not your pastor. We do not always trust God. But God's people do trust God, and he will deliver us, and we also pray for grace to trust him more. That's a hymn we can sing. We pray for grace to trust him more. And though our faith and our trust is often weak and it is assailed every day by the world and the flesh and the devil, this faith and this trust is a gift from God and it is founded upon our strong Savior who though he died lives and reigns today. And he will lose none of all the Father has given him. And he is faithful. What do the scriptures say? Though we are faithless, he remains faithful. Beloved, what a hope we have. And so what do we do? We trust that the living God will indeed deliver us from death. We will die. And God will deliver us. Both statements are true. So that though we die, yet shall we live, and we will praise our God and our judge, and we will worship only him. And so, beloved, the question wasn't just for Daniel, it's for you today. Who is your God? Who alone will always be faithful to you, though you may be faithless? The same God who delivered Daniel from the lions is the God who delivers you from sin and death and the devil through the death of his own son, Jesus Christ. It is the same God who will deliver you safely into his eternal kingdom. And so, beloved, may we keep his steadfast love before our eyes and walk in his faithfulness, enabled by the power of his Holy Spirit, until we see him face to face. Amen.